Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And uh, welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, this month we've been celebrating our Catching Up on Keanu month. Uh, all of May we've been watching Keanu Reeves films. And uh, this episode is essentially the culmination of uh, Catching Up on Keanu month. As uh, pretty much the reason why we started this whole thing was because we were excited about the release of John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Directed by Chad Stileski. Um, so, uh, if you're not familiar with the program, uh, Catching Up on Cinema is a podcast wherein Kyle and I uh, typically select a movie that one of us has seen and uh, introduce it to the other person, to the other co-host. And uh, in this way, we help each other to catch up on cinema. Uh, in this case, uh, this is a special theatrical edition of the show, meaning... Obviously, we saw a movie that has been out, what, about a week now? Yeah. Less. Yeah, by the time this post, it's been out for about almost exactly a week, yeah. Yeah, so, Kyle, uh, we are both very excited about this movie, but we should probably give the folks at home a little rundown as to our, our background with the franchise. Yeah, let this me... This is the third, the third film in a series now. Let me, let me start off by saying uh, I watched John Wick about, oh, late last year. Uh, about four years after the first one came out, after many, many of my friends telling me I need to watch it, and I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I thought the the story was good. I felt stuff. There was heartstring tugging. <laughs> I hated the villain. Um, and it was good. And the second one uh, didn't really blow me away. I wasn't impressed by it. Um, the the scenes with Common were good. And I watched. I think I watched John Wick two like the same week that I watched John Wick 1. Um but I saw the trailer for this one and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be fun. Like this is going to be a good one. <laughs> they got me with the trailer. Oh yeah, no, excellent promotion, especially I mean, this is a very R-rated franchise. Um so all the all of the good bits aren't in the trailer and yet somehow they still manage to get you hyped anyway. So good good on them. Uh so my history with the franchise is a little bit more intimate, I guess, because I've been following it since it started. Like uh, The first movie, it's funny, because I remember the promotion for it, and I remember not really giving a shit. But then I started researching it, and all these little behind-the-scenes details started popping up where I was like, oh, shit, he's involved? Oh, he's involved? He's in there? And then, you know, you see the movie, and for me, uh, somebody who's obsessed with martial arts and action films, uh, these movies are, like, I don't know, People get hyped about the Avengers and stuff. This is my Avengers. Like gotcha. so many of the the names and faces that pops up pop up in these movies are just like a love letter to people like me. Um, growing up, my dad used to have an expression. Uh, he would call people that guy uh, in reference to like character actors in action movies that would just be there to fall down. Guys yeah. in the background who your average moviegoer wouldn't bother to learn their name, but it's like oh, it's it's a that guy. Uh, the John Wick films are like a love letter to those that guys. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of familiar faces that, uh, thanks to this show, now you know who they are. Tiger yeah. Chen being one of them. <laughs> but like in the first movie, Kevin Nash as a as a doorman. He's just there. And then Daniel Bernhardt, who is from the, the Bloodsport 2 through 4 movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's appeared on Mystery Science Theater 3000 more than once, as far as I know. <laughs> he's not a noteworthy actor, but he's he's a working stuntman that has really worked his way up the ranks. But, uh, yeah, the first one I think is very solid. But um, after the movie, I was doing like a debriefing with my friends, and 
it occurred to me that's like that movie's going to be really hard to go back to now because like aesthetically and in terms of like ambition in regards to the execution of the stunts and whatnot it's so tame by comparison <laughs> this movie is is leaps and bounds ahead of it in so many ways but oh yeah well yeah. i mean i mean compared to the first one i think the first one it, it invented i mean gun foo it, it invented its own style of uh of fight killing and then the second one just <laughs> didn't the second one just didn't do anything like it wasn't it didn't really feel innovative and there was a bit more car action and it just kind of was there. This one, on the other hand, I was like, "What are they going to do?" It's kind of like like an M Night Shyamalan movie. Like, what's it going to be this time? Like, is what's the twist? What what new thing are they going to bring? They bring it in this one. I I was thoroughly impressed with the action scenes in this movie. Well, it's it's amazing because like the stunt world is very similar to the the horror world in a lot of ways. Like horror movies are all, that's like the most innovative genre in film because that's where most people get their start in in cinema, and so a lot of times you'll see really ambitious young folks trying trying to push the envelope, like paying homage to what came before, like very blatantly, but saying, "Hey, we have better technology and and better stunt people and whatnot. Let's try to do it better than they did." Because I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the 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 truck stunt. Like him going under the truck and stuff. That was incredible. I actually watched that but, last night. I watched that movie oh, really? last night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I adore that movie. I watched it so many times when I was a kid. Mostly for the truck and the airplane. Like, those scenes back to back. It's like, I don't even need the rest of the movie. Even the opening with the rock and stuff and Alfred Molina in brownface. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throw me the idol. I throw you the whip. Um, <laughs> I know a scam artist when I see one and... <laughs> but no the 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 plane fight and the truck chase that's yeah. all i need but what i'm trying to say here is that that stunt is incredible but with current camera technology and working stunt professionals we we have the means to surpass it and mm. it's movies like this that go about go about trying to do that and i kind of feel you on a john wick 2 okay. where it does it does kind of feel like they're spinning their wheels a little bit and it has a weird all of these movies actually all three of them have very strange pacing because uh, the first one has a very light opening and then it builds and builds and builds and the middle is actually the biggest most exciting portion of it and then the end it kind of peters out yeah you're right second one has a bombastic opening and then a boring soggy middle, middle <laughs> and, I'd say and then it picks up in the last third yeah but, but then it like comes to a dead stop at the very very end and then the third one, kind of similar rhythm to the second one, actually. Yeah, you're right. It it definitely slows down a bit in the middle. I honestly, I think the the f- the beginning part of the movie was more impressive than the end. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. I think all three of these movies actually end kind of poorly, to be honest. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Keanu fighting an old Swedish man in the rain is n- no. the the nightclub shootout in the first one is the centerpiece of awesome. the film, and awesome. and it happens in the center of the film the second one i think uh i think i was most impressed with the opening just because of the diversity of action put on display because you get some car stunts uh you get some gun foo uh and transitions directly into like some judo and brazilian jiu-jitsu and it's all seamless all in one location all at once um however by the time we get to this third movie they do all of that and then some. <laughs> I was gonna say, this this movie was it, really it kind of shits on the opening of the second one. 
yeah. <laughs> this one's rich. Like the action scenes are like, oh, it's gonna keep going. Oh, oh, it's oh. actually, oh, it's gonna keep going. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm um, okay with that. I'm so fine I, with this. I guess we could uh, talk about the the plot a little bit. Like we mentioned before, we started recording. This not a lot moves as far as the story goes in this. Uh, nothing really yeah. happens. Um, yeah, I mean, let's very briefly dial it back to the first one. So if you're not familiar with the franchise, um, and how, if not, how dare you? Um, John Wick is a member of an assassin's guild. Uh, he's, like, legendary among their ranks as having been, like, the best of the best of the best. International, um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> international assassin's guild. Uh, that apparently uh, has people everywhere, as we'll learn as the franchise goes on. Um, when we're introduced to him in the first film, though, uh, he's in retirement, and I believe his wife has just died of cancer. Um, but then he uh, gets a puppy. I think it was like a post-mortem gift from her. It is was, that right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the puppy is very symbolic of being like, her both a living thing that he loves as well as the last gift given to him by his dead wife uh the puppy some shenanigans happen uh, some asshole gets like kills the puppy john wick loses his shit and he's back yeah. uh, he goes on killing spree uh which is basically the entirety of the first movie him uh seeking revenge for having the puppy get killed uh second movie is a lot of wheel spinning yeah um it begins at the very. It begins immediately after the first film ended, so yeah. it's just like straight into action. Uh, I don't even re- really remember what that action was for, other than him having a brief conversation with Peter Stormare. Oh yeah, I think he wanted his car back. I think it got jacked or something. Um. Anyway, and then the, the major development that happens in the second one, though, is that we the scope of the story gets expanded. Like by leaps and bounds, because the first film's very small. Like we were told about a lot of things about this this Assassin's Guild, but we're not actually shown them because it's a low budget movie. It's the beginning of a franchise. It's not proven yet. Second one though, it's like okay, let's let's blow things open and play around a little bit. Uh, so we get introduced to more of the inner workings of this guild. We learn that it's super international and that they have people everywhere. And then there's some leadership sect called the high table uh there's an italian fella that asked john wick to do him a favor uh merry mishaps ensue a lot of people die and uh john wick ends up violating one of the big rules of the assassin's guild and he kills said italian man on uh the continental grounds the continental being a a hotel in new york yeah it's an asylum it's a place of a sanctuary where no violence is allowed and it's the one you had one fucking rule, and he breaks it, knowing full and well what was going to happen. Exactly. Um, well, what ends up happening at the end of that, instead of killing him on the spot, uh, Ian McShane, who runs the Continental, uh, is going to give him what an hour to to yeah. leave before he's one like, "I'm, I'm going to give you a grace period of one hour before I." First of all, you're you've been what's the word? They use a lot of different words to say shut down or excommunicate. There we go, excommunicado. Excommunicado. The, so yeah. not only is he going to be banned, they are also going to have a bounty on his head, um, which we find out is about fourteen million dollars. And we come to uh, the third movie, and he's got an. I think he's on his hour. Uh, he's yeah. trying to, yeah, um, yeah. 
it's not clear what he's trying to do. He's trying to accomplish something in this movie, and we don't find out until about an hour and a half in what he was trying to get to. Yeah, so essentially the movie's kind of like a, a man on the run or a, like a chase movie. Uh, a lot of it is him running from place to place, calling in favors, and then a big action climax, uh, some plot revelations at the end, credits. Um, so they should... I mentioned... Oh, I just After, wanted to say this, this. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I just wanted to say um, all three of these films are directed by a fellow by the name of Chad Stileski. He's not a household name, but uh, interesting history in the film industry. Uh, he's primarily a stunt coordinator, um, but he doubled for Keanu in the Matrix films. Uh, and apparently he was involved in the production of The Crow. Mm. Uh, which I think later in the franchise history, Mark Dacascos would get involved with, and he has a significant role in this film. So. It, took, it was driving me nuts who he was in this. I'm like, who the fuck is that guy? It was, it was killing me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just yet another instance of Keanu being the coolest guy in Hollywood and probably like pointing at Chad and saying, hey, I think he should direct the movie. <laughs> it's like... Really? He's a stunt coordinator. It's like, yeah, the movie's got a lot of stunts. A lot of, <laughs> lot of stunts. <laughs> the narrative is going to take a back seat. <laughs> I'm not going to say much. Uh, I'm going to get paid a million dollars a word. How old is Keanu now? Is he in his 50s? He is. Okay, so honestly, the beatings... And fighting that happened in this movie. The, the John Wick 4 should be called John Wick 4, Percocet and Gatorade. Because the whole time I'm like, he just he needs a mess of painkillers and he needs electrolytes because he has been fighting. Not, get, some, get the man a sandwich or something. The poor guy hasn't eaten. Jeez. <laughs> I just want to see John Wick, like, when he wakes up in the morning and tries to bend over to pick up the newspaper and his back just goes out. Goes out <laughs> like, yeah. that, that's, what, that's what ends his career. It's just uh, bending over to pick up the paper. <laughs> this should be called an action black comedy because... Yes, absolutely. So let's, let's tell the folks about some fights. You want to you wanna jump in here a little bit? Yeah, so our movie kicks off immediately with Keanu running in the rain. Um He's constantly checking his watch. Uh, what kind of dog was that, by the way, Kyle? You're it's a, a pit dog bull. guy. It's it, a pit bull. It was just a, it's pit a very bull. cute pup. It's a very cute pit bull. It's not the best dog. It's not the best dog in this movie. I love, <laughs> the, do- I love the dogs in this movie. I saw this movie in the theater with many dog lovers, so they they were super hyped about a lot of scenes in this movie. Dude, I had so much fun watching this movie in the theater. I it's I did too. This and I think The Visit were probably my two two of my most favorite movies to watch in the theater as far as the audience because this was a movie where I everybody in the audience was doing the same thing. We were all laughing, we were all uh we were all fuck. <laughs> God <laughs> no, damn. No. The the black comedy aspect of it, I think, was what makes it makes it work on the whole. Is that all of these films kind of have that like winking quality to them, where it's like, yes, they are brutally violent, and the soundtrack would have you believe that it's like a deathly serious film series. But and aesthetically, like yeah. the lighting and the costuming and the sets, it it's a very serious looking film. But the There's, actual like presentation, you can't help but laugh at parts of it. There's no music in so, the room. The knife part, yeah. 
Yeah, it's so excessive. It's, it's like you you're, you start laughing at some point, and it's great. We weren't <laughs> sure if we were allowed to laugh. Like we were like I was sitting there giggling, and I'm like, no one else is laughing right now. I'm like, this knife scene is hilarious. This is comedy gold. This well, is I, fucking hilarious. I think I saw it in the perfect circumstances because. Um, Man, there were like a half hour of trailers before this movie started. And oh, I got one I sh- of them. I got caught in traffic, so I didn't. I didn't miss all of them. I missed some oh, of them. I had to run from Fremont back to my house and then drive there, so I was all sweaty and stinky <laughs> and a little bit late. But um, no, I think what made this perfect uh, was that one of the trailers that played right before the movie started was Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, uh, The Rock and Jason Statham in what looks like the single most amazing film <laughs> ever made yeah the uh the rock is pulling down a, a helicopter he's pulling down a helicopter he's pulling and, down a helicopter and him and his native brothers on the island of samoa are going to fight evil with clubs and win and it, I, i'm so psyched for this movie <laughs> i was watching a preview for that the first the last time i was at the theater it was playing i'm like i wonder if trevor's gonna see this and then i saw uh the rock and the flower. I don't know what that flower thing is that those guys are wearing. The Hawaiian. Oh, Hawaiian gear. oh I go lay? Yeah, I'm like, okay, Trevor's going to see this in the theater. And then you see him pulling the helicopter. I'm like, Trevor's going to see this in the theater. <laughs> Trevor's going to see this in the theater and, <laughs> and buy, buy it on Blu ray. Buy it? No, fucking 4K. <laughs> Day one purchase. Hey, the rock's kids got to eat. I guess you're feeding them. <laughs> but yeah, I think having that be be the opening act for John Wick 3 kind of set the stage perfectly where it's like. Yeah. That level of ridiculous is what we're getting ready for. And it's ridiculous, but it's, oh my god, it's entertaining. Yeah. And I kind of feel like I'm going to hell for laughing at some of the things that I laughed at. No, we were supposed to. That I wanted. I, to te- I hope so. I wanted to text you, I'm like, you're, I just wanted to give you this, you're allowed to laugh. because Oh, I was, I was laughing hysterically. A lot oh. of, oh, moments. <laughs> so I was actually sitting by myself. Steph didn't want to go see this. I mean, she's just like, no, I, I don't want to go see it. I'm like, yeah, I, I would normally just wait to watch it when you weren't here, but since it's in the theater. Um, but I had to get up and pee uh, right when he was meeting, um, he meets the guy in the desert. And oh. I got back, and the guy sitting next to me was like, hey, so... Here's what happened while you were gone. He let me know wow. what happened. I'm like, no, f-. it was it was that's a great- amazing. We we had a great time in this theater. It like I had people covering their mouths and you know like oh shit like oh yeah, there shit. was a, like people there was a lot of oh Jesus <laughs> like, I did some I did yeah some me too there. it was it was a lot of fun yeah um so I believe yeah Keanu's running through the rain um, he is trying to find his way somewhere we don't really know where. Um, at some point, uh, he runs down an alley and we're reminded, uh, this is good, this is good editing, good storytelling, by the way, uh, we're reminded that he is running away from an organization that has people everywhere. Uh, so he ventures down an alley and then a, what looks like a homeless person, like calls him out by name and says, "Tick tock, Mister Wick, tick tock." Oh, that's um, uh, he's from Matsukis. Yes, yes, he's fucking. He's one of the funniest comedic actors out there. If you have ever seen uh, the League, he plays uh, Rafi, uh, El Cunado. Uh He's fucking brilliant. Yeah, I he's. They, I wish they could use him a bit more in these movies, but yeah, he, maybe they will. You maybe they know. will. Um, but yeah, this is. I think this is there mostly just to remind the audience, that, you know, like people that maybe aren't as involved as folks like me, uh, that oh shit, uh, he's running away from the world essentially. <laughs> 
Um, so he, he keeps trying to get away or get to some location. We're still not sure where. At some point, he gets in a cab, and we're given another reminder uh, as to the inner workings of this, this fictional universe. Uh, he has a gold coin that he gives the cab driver, who is a, also apparently in on the joke, uh, because traffic is so backed up that it's pretty obvious the cab's not going anywhere. Uh, however, he has this dog with him, this this pit bull. It's, it's a puppy, right? Uh, he's probably... Like one or two years old, he's probably like yeah. a year old. Very, very he's cute. Bi- he's big, but not for his breed. Um, but he's very cute. Um, so he's trying to take care of the dog. So he pays off the cab driver and says, "Take him to the Continental. Take him to the hotel where he'll be protected." Because I'm clearly not protected at this moment. <laughs> uh, so, uh, which brings us to the library, which is our first action beat in the film. Um, he's there to pick up some some stuff that he stashed. Uh, I believe it's a, a marker, which in John Wick Chapter Two we were introduced to. It's basically a like a a compact that has uh, someone's blood like thumb imprint on it, and basically it's a contract between two individuals. It's a blood pact. So he has one of those, and it's already been marked. So it's like, hmm, who does that belong to? Uh, so it's a tool that he's going to use later. Uh, and then there's also a photo of his wife and a rosary. And uh, he takes everything but the photo. He puts that. He attempts to put that away, and then we get our first action beat. Uh, it's <laughs> um, it's interesting because this they keep cutting back and forth between uh, the people at the Continental or the people that work for the the Assassins Guild. Um, and for some reason, ever since the first movie, like, and they've carried this on. Everybody who works in the records department uh, are suicide girls. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was, was going to say. Uh... <laughs> Yes, they are suicide girls. Yeah, every single one of them, except for the one guy that I think plays the penguin on that Gotham show. No, that's not um, him, but uh, he's he looks like a tattoo artist from 2009, so yeah. Yeah, very fitting description. Uh, anyway, we keep cutting back and forth between Keanu trying to escape and the people in like the, the bookkeeping department uh, doing a countdown of when he's fair game to be killed, when the contract actually goes live. And... Uh, he gets ambushed by a seven foot three Boban Marjanovic, uh, who my brother had to tell me who he was. I mean, he's seven foot three. Obviously, he's a person that you might know. Uh, he's in the NBA. I think he plays. I think he said he plays for Philly. Yeah, I know. Uh, I I wasn't gonna. <laughs> I I didn't know. <laughs> I I don't I don't watch the NBA, but my my brother knew him by name, and it was kind of funny because I'm not used to that happening in these movies where it's like, this- oh wow. He recognized him, and I didn't. <laughs> the knife fight was so funny. I forgot about how funny this fight was. This was, oh, this, this was, was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's some great beats in here. There, like the way you can tell it's supposed to be funny is that they're having a fight in a library. Uh, by the way, Keanu <laughs> is using a book. And, he shushes him at one point. Yeah, the, the, uh, Boban uh, shushes him at one point because they're in the library. <laughs> And then he grabs him by the head and just kind of bashes him against all the bookshelves. But then there's this one shot that's just at the end of the aisle, and it's a stationary camera shot, and they keep, like, pushing each other back and forth into frame and out of frame. And it's like, that's that's comedic. Like, you can't help but laugh at that. Um, Pretty well choreographed. Uh, These movies, in a lot of ways, feel like love letters to the art of, like, action choreography. Uh, so there's a lot of homages to things that came before. Um, 
one such thing that I can recall was uh, the Bourne Ultimatum, which famously had a fight sequence where Matt Damon uh, beats up a fella with a <laughs> with a book. Um, this sequence is much more protracted, uh, not more ambitious, but more protracted. Um, Boban doesn't sell very well because I think he's just too big. Like yeah. he doesn't like he doesn't like whip his head around when he gets hit. Keanu's doing a lot of throat chops and stuff. That's, and that's I think, what I would be doing, yeah. <laughs> I think every single person he tangles with in this movie gets kicked in the balls at least once. It, uh, <laughs> it's what you do. Not, work smart, not hard. You can work. You can keep punching him in the face, but there's one spot on every man that is a sure, surefire way to drop him. Why yeah, sharp, be around the bush? Shop smart. S smart. Um, but... Oh my God! the The final blow blows in this sequence are were incredible. Yeah. Um, so Keanu gets this fella on his knees, braces him up against the the end of a bookshelf, and he's like slamming the spine of this book into Boban's mouth, and he gets like a half dozen hits in there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Chelsea grin. Uh, if you remember from uh, Green Street Hooligans, where he's like, "Oh, have you ever had a Chelsea grin?" and he puts the credit card in his mouth and he's about to yeah. punch it, but with a book, guy, <laughs> this guy could eat a credit card pretty easily, so he has to use a book. Yeah, a like four hundred page book, yeah. um, and then just cherry on top, uh, he finishes things off by bracing the book vertically on a table, placing Boban's like the side of his neck on it and then smacking him on top of the temple so his neck snaps sideways yeah it was beautiful yeah and it was the first of many oh shit (laughs) moments in this movie um and the whole time i was watching it uh, i uh, a simpsons quote came to mind it's a i think homer was beating up a very elderly hamburger and there's a child that's watching the spectacle unfold. He's like, stop! Stop! He's already dead! <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many scenes in this movie that felt just like that. But I love it for it. Did you mention um, that John got stabbed by him in the shoulder? I did not. And yeah. that is a very important plot detail. Yeah. Uh, the the big tall guy, for some reason, uh, had to stab him in the shoulder to stop him. Uh, it didn't stop him, by the way. It just it didn't even slow him down, honestly. Um, <laughs> he, he gets stabbed in the shoulder, so he's got to go see a doctor, and he's got about, oh, five minutes before his contract's up. And not only is he excommunicado, he cannot get any services by anybody associated with the organization. So yeah, um, he goes to his uh, his doctor, and he's like, doc i need you to fix it up and he's like you got like five minutes he's like well come on in let me stitch you up and doc's stitching him up and he has to stop he's just like well that's as far as i can get you're gonna have to finish it yourself and uh yeah there's some good tension building here where the whole time he's stitching him keanu's staring at this grandfather clock and like watching watching time tick down is actually like counting down the seconds and it's like oh time's up so doc takes his hands off and is like oh that's i did all i can um and then keanu takes takes a mirror and finishes the sitch job himself because yeah. he's super badass yeah um by the way doc is played by randall duk kim a uh, korean american actor that uh previously was in the matrix reloaded with keanu as uh, the key maker he's also the voice of the turtle in the kung fu panda movie <laughs> did not see that <laughs> Kung Fu Panda's fun. Um, anyway, uh, Keanu is like still trying to patch himself up, uh, and then Doc tells him like, "Oh, 
grab those pills up on that shelf. Which leads to a really goofy comedic beat that they... Excess is the name of the day here. Uh, taking things to extremes uh, to comedic effect. Uh, so he starts like shaking his head. He's like, oh man, why did, I, why did I help you by telling you where those pills were? So he gives Keanu a Derringer, like a two-shot pistol, and he says, okay, I need you to shoot me here. <laughs> and he's like trying to tell John Wick where to shoot him to make sure that when the members of the organization come across him, they believe that he didn't help him. And so he's like trying to like point out like, oh, you, you should shoot me here. And then without even like blinking, Keanu shoots him. And then just for shits and giggles, he does it again in a different location uh, at Doc's insistence, by the way. He's like, no, it's got to be two shots. Otherwise, they won't believe you. <laughs> he's like, don't graze my collar. Boom, pop. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> oh, it was very funny, uh, which I think brings us to the, the knife fight. Yes. Oh, the knife fight. So Keanu uh, just runs through this lamp store in uh, some kind of Chinatown, Koreatown. I'm not entirely sure. Um, yeah. I'm not trying to be racist. I'm just saying there's different there's different it's, towns, and it's, inc- it's inconclusive which one it is. Um, uh, I, if I had to guess, Chinatown. That's what I would guess. Chi- Chinese signage and the majority of these stunt actors are Chinese. Gotcha. Well, you just mentioned the Korean actor, so I'm like, I don't know where we're at. Um, well, he's, he's Randall Duk Kim, and he's an old Asian actor, Asian-American actor. So, so he's, he's played, used like, to, every Asian He's possible. used to being whatever they need him to be. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, he they run through there, and there's these guys chasing him, and uh, he gets into what looks like an antique um, gun and knife store. Uh, it's really kind of cool. It looks like it'd be kind of cool to go in and check out, but I don't know how we got in here. Uh, but he he grabs a gun and he puts the bullet in, and the bullet doesn't fit. So he yeah. makes a new gun, from what I can tell. I think he. I mean, it's a revolver. Yeah. Uh, and I think he takes the, like, the revolving chamber of the revolver and, and swaps it into a different pistol. Uh, so, he yeah, he essentially makes a new gun kind of on the spot. Um, it doesn't really help. This uh, is the first of a few examples of just straight-up gun porn in this movie. That it's, it's there to appease someone who isn't me. Um, because some of these shots linger a little longer than they needed to because like there's a good like five second shot it's a fast-paced action movie um so like some of the editing like actually not in the action itself but like some of the editing is you know pretty quick pretty brisk but it's just this long sustained shot of him assembling this pistol like kind of carefully kind of slowly it's like i okay (laughs) but there's a lot of instances of that and i think that's you know there's a certain group of people out there that would you know get something from that yeah Yeah. um but yeah he puts this gun together and i think he only gets enough he only has enough time to like load it with one or two bullets i think one he he has enough time to load it with one bullet and he shoots (laughs) one dude in the head i'm like that was it that's all he needed that for i mean it's one guy off the table (laughs) so yeah some some guy like runs into the door behind him and he just like under the armpit shoots him straight in the middle of the forehead and it's pretty cool it it reminds me of like a old western or something uh but then he runs into a back room and uh then we get the knife fight which was i think one of the highlights of the movie like in it like overall uh it's it's gotta be like what five guys like yeah. a five on one well 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 it's 
about three at a time, but I think it's a total of like nine guys. Like, there's quite a few. Yeah, um, there's a few guys that get off pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this scene was a lot of fun. There's a lot of stabbing, a lot of multiple stabs, a lot of knife throws. Um, where, yeah, this is where I was like, I want to laugh, but I'm not sure if I'm supposed to. And the rest of the theater was like that, too. I was like, I feel like we should be laughing at this. You're allowed to laugh at it. If you watch this movie, you can laugh at this part. Yeah, when when a man gets made into like a porcupine by, like, by the sheer number of knives put into his face, um, yeah, you can laugh at that. You can laugh at that. Um, but yeah, excellently stage sequence um couple of noteworthy stunt actors in this scene were uh, roger yuan uh, who you have seen in many films even if you didn't know his name um he was in lethal weapon 4 as one of the goons uh maybe his most prominent role he was the bad guy in shanghai noon uh and I then the bad guy in shanghai not uh, oh shanghai yes, yes 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 oh i didn't recognize him and then well he had like fake facial hair and stuff i thought he was uh, dead honestly and then uh, Batman Begins, uh, I don't know if he did stunt work on the movie, but he is the guy who is, I think, talking to Commissioner Gordon about uh, the, the uh, fear toxin getting put in the water supply. Huh. Uh, he's just there in a CDC suit. <laughs> I him in that. But he, he is a fixture in a Hollywood like stunt coordination. He's gotcha. done everything. Um, and then Tiger Chen! <laughs> Keanu Reeves' best buddy in the world, Tiger Chen, was in this scene. I didn't even notice that. I was just too... Aww, how was, dare you? I mean, did, did you? Were you looking for him, though? Was that the thing? No. I mean, I I had a feeling he was going to be in it, but as soon as I saw him, I I put my finger up and said, Hey, hey, it's Tiger! <laughs> See, I was just... I, for this movie, I'm like, I'm just going to sit back and take the ride. I'm going to try to remember what I can... I'm not gonna be able to take notes because this is a new movie. There's gonna be people yeah. there. I'm so, not gonna. I'm not gonna be that guy who's dicking around on his phone in no, the theater. No, don't do that. You, you no. people don't do that. If uh, you do that, you sit in the back. You sit all the way in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I didn't want to be rude, but I. This this was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Was me this, too. Was this scene? No, the the knife sequence was great because uh, it, it it escalates. It's it's good storytelling. I enjoyed the Halle Berry. The, the Halle Berry sequence was a lot of fun because she was she did really well in that as far as the fight is. I don't know how much it was her stunt double or whatever, but from what she, I could gather, she was doing it was pretty good. And the dogs, oh, the dogs, <laughs> them dogs, them dogs. But yeah, uh, Tiger Chen gets maybe the most brutal death in the whole movie. Um, yeah. He gets stabbed in the eyeball. Um, we and, see it. It's it's akin to Private Ryan knife, um, but in the Enough, eye. That is one. That is probably <laughs> the heaviest movie death I've ever seen. Is yeah, most is, people would agree with you. I do too. Adam Goldberg getting it. Um, yeah, it's, it's this rough. was when the, this is when with the theater we came together and we're like, we're gonna talk to this movie. We're not gonna talk to this movie. I'm sorry, but we're going to exclaim out loud how we feel in these scenes because everybody at the same time was like, fuck, oh shit. <laughs> I think where it really clicked, aside from the like the book part, it kind of was like, okay, this is what we're in for. Where it really clicked, I think, is when they started throwing knives at each other and missing. Yeah. When when, when the handles were bouncing off of people's shoulders. <laughs> that, was so funny. That, that was so funny. Because it looks like two kids just like mm-hmm. pillow fighting or something. Where it's like, God damn it! <laughs> and they're just grabbing whatever's available and throwing it at each other and hoping for the best. Uh, it's absolutely brutal, but definitely hilarious and it i mean for me personally i actually 
really did get off on seeing Tiger Chen get a moment in there. Uh, he was instantly recognizable because he had the exact same haircut as he did in Triple Threat. I, he had a bulk. He had a bulk cut. He has bangs, basically. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a weird look. I didn't even. I. They're henchmen. They're putties. Like they're like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> These are just dead people. I wasn't looking at their faces, but it is nice. Do well, we later on, they don't even get faces. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I'm sorry. He the, my close second. Like a close second for favorite scene is when he fights the. They're not twins, but the two guys that are about the same size later. Oh yeah, I have a lot to say about that. That was a lot but, of fun. Yeah, we'll get there. But um, following the knife sequence, I think is the stables. This was really creative. Um, I I I don't like animals in movies. Um, and anytime you see a horse in a movie, you're like, fuck, that horse is gonna die. Like not in real life, <laughs> but that horse is not gonna make it. No yeah, the advertising died. campaign for War Horse. It's like, oh, that horse is so dead. <laughs> I've seen a lot of old, like the I've seen a lot of movies like taking place where horses were a part of battle. I've seen a lot of Game of Thrones. I'm like, these horses are not gonna make it. But he weaponizes the horses. Tell me how. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's being pursued by some gentlemen in suits because almost everybody in these movies wears either suits or leather jackets uh, through some stables uh, in New York, uh, where they actually have those. And uh, he doesn't really have a weapon, so he very carefully angles himself behind a horse, and he slaps it, and it causes it to kick backwards in, directly into a man's face, and it's juicy. <laughs> it's quite tasty. Um, one of, actually, like it's it's not as impactful, but I did like when all he did was like turn the horse, and mm-hmm. its ass just slammed into a guy because that's you know that's a very large animal. It doesn't have to do much to knock you on your ass. Um, but yeah, there's there's some good Brazilian jiu-jitsu in this sequence. Mm-hmm. A lot of grappling, a lot of people getting judo tossed onto their backs, a lot of joint locks and stuff. Um, I don't think Keanu throws a single punch in these movies. It's all chops, um, which you know falls in line with jiu-jitsu, where it's like palm strikes and chops and stuff. But yeah, he does a lot of throat chops and a lot of kicks to the balls <laughs> weak spots. But, find the weak spot yeah um the way he exits the stables is uh, i think he knocks a fella down and he tie he hops on a horse and he ties the fella's ankle to the horse and uh yeah the horse drags this fella into some crates because you know you got to have some crates for people to fly into in an action movie it's like shoot. red it's like red barrels in a video game. <laughs> like, it's like you need red barrels that explode when you shoot them. It's interesting you say he never punches anybody because if you think about it a guy in his situation, it would be it wouldn't be wise to start punching people cuz all you need is just one miscalculated punch and you could really fuck up your wrist and he's got more people to punch. He's like I don't have time to be macho here. I need to, I need results. Nuts yeah. and throat. <laughs> no, that's I think these movies actually were, are very largely responsible, I think, for creating like a new brand of fight choreography that's heavily based in practical techniques. Um, because yeah, he doesn't do he doesn't do flashy kicks or, or fanciful moves of any kind. It's all just kind of like get it done quick. Um, in fact, like the way a lot of these scenes are choreographed is is beautiful to watch if not sometimes frustrating for me because it's essentially like <laughs> it's it's a series of it's a series of money shots essentially <laughs> where, where it's just like a person steps up they're killed in a creative way there's no like progression to the kill it's just kind of 
boom, boom, dead. Boom, boom, dead. It's I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Tom Young Gung. Uh, it's a it's a Thai movie. It's a Tony Jaa movie. Uh, there's a scene in there that is at least three minutes long, maybe five, of just people running at him and him breaking one of their limbs or all of their limbs. And it goes on and on and on and on. And, like, that's kind of the philosophy, I guess, they applied to the John Wick style. Um, But, yeah, he exits the stables. Uh, We get some horse action through downtown New York. It's kind of cool. Actually, one of the other movies we did for catching up on Keanu Month, which uh, I'm not sure what order we'll be posting these, uh, was 47 Ronin, uh, which has some sequences of Keanu on horseback, so I'm guessing... He retained some of that knowledge for this film. Um, and then, does does he get to Angelica Houston? Not yet. I think we have to... He's getting to Angelica Houston, but we also get introduced to... Yeah, I'm sorry, he does get to Angelica Houston. So, yeah, he walks into a Russian stereotype. Um, <laughs> he, Angelica Houston is... He walks in and there's these, you know, Russian goons. He lays down his is gold and he doesn't have any weapons with him I don't think and the guy's like well, lay down your belt too and he's like fuck okay First, they're <laughs> not going to admit him but he's got all of his gear and he's carrying a, uh, a cross a, a crucifix a rosary if you will and uh, he takes that with him and we cut to a, a girl pra- uh, doing a ballet practice it looks like she's up on a stage and she's doing her twirls and she falls and there seems to be somebody watching in the uh, in the audience just one person and it's Angelica Houston she's like again like get up there and do it again so he comes up and starts talking to her and she's like all right like she's like i there's a history here we're not sure i'm not quite sure what it is but she's like oh you're home he's like i'm i'm back or whatever <laughs> and uh they they are going to go have a chat and they go through this place the there's some Kids, uh, there's like little girls getting ready to do some ballet exercises, some more ballet. Uh, some kids doing, uh, they're doing what I thought was freestyle. Re- this is freestyle wrestling, but I'm assuming they're practicing throws for jujitsu. I'm assuming jujitsu has throws as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, those Eastern Bloc states had a lot of their own systems. Like these guys are, these are. This is freestyle wrestling. They're doing a lot of throws, a lot of slams, um, a lot of fun. This is. I, I I dabbled in some freestyle for um, just in like the summertime for like, to kind of stay in shape a little bit. It's a lot of fun. You got to know what you're doing, otherwise you're going to get the like the wind knocked out of you. Quite <laughs> but uh, these kids are good. No, I mean there's some takedowns there that are snappy, <laughs> really just beautifully executed. Um, yeah, she no, take, I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that what I understand the history to be between these two is uh, he actually. He, I think he's supposed to be Belarusian, and her too, because uh, he, in a different language, which I would assume is Belarusian, uh, says like we're part of the same tribe, like we're from the same people, and this is why you owe me this debt. Um, you're supposed to take care of your own. Yeah. Uh, and she keeps calling him. I think it's Jordani. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jordani, like Jovanovic or something. <laughs> Jovanovic or something. So I guess that's his birth name. Um, and what I got from this is she actually like looks over her shoulder as she's leading him through these rooms with all these young people training and says, like, does this remind you of anything? Like, bring back memories or anything? Yeah. So my guess is he came through this system. Yeah. Like he, like, he was raised to be tough in this way. And we get some chilling images here. Like, uh, 
Angelica Houston is prattling on about how like like uh, life is suffering and art art comes through suffering like um and then we get like a close up of one of the ballerinas like pulling off their their toenail yeah we got a response uh, in my theater i don't know about yours i i mean the people sitting next to me the my friends were like <laughs> like genuine ill <laughs> there's a guy in my row who was super squeamish i thought he was gonna have to excuse himself because he covered his mouth like he was gonna vomit he was not doing he was not doing well in the first part of this movie well i mean eye trauma followed by foot stuff eh, yeah. that's bound to upset somebody <laughs> that's a lot but yeah it's my understanding that like this is probably how he came to be what he is it's an assumption it, they don't go into detail um but he sits down and has an audience with her and exchanges the rosary in like in exchange for safe passage elsewhere yeah and where where does he want to go morocco Ca- uh, casablanca yeah morocco um and <laughs> he gets the first of many mutilations uh, visited up- upon him in the sequence um so part of the ritual and there's all three of these movies need to be credited for like creating like a universe that feels lived in like a lot of the like the trinkets and like rituals that all these people in this assassin's guild have um it feels much more thought out than it probably is (laughs) because the way the exposition is all delivered um they don't hold your hand they just talk about things as if like oh surely you knew about this it's like no actually in in three movies this is the first time you're bringing it up but you know thanks (laughs) um uh, so she takes the rosary and hands it to her like buddy like her right hand man and he uses he sticks it in the fireplace and brands keanu on his spine with the cross uh so first of many mutilations that he'll undergo in this film uh, and then he gets to Casablanca, but meanwhile, there's some shenanigans going on in New York that are happening because of his actions, because of him having killed a member of the high table, that Italian fellow who was the bad guy in the second one. Yeah, they uh, they have this lady. I don't know who she is. I know she's in Orange is the New Black. That's the only thing I know of. Um, I don't know why they have. she has such a long name in this. I still can't pronounce it. Ad, ad, adjudicator? Oh, adju- adjudicator. Yeah. Adjudicator. Uh, she's yeah. just known as the adjudicator. Um, I thought she was terrible. I d- I did not like this. Cause I yeah. I didn't um, like her performance. Uh, the character, I get what they were going for, but she just it. I'm was not buying it. I did not think she did a very good job personally. Sorry. The, their name is uh, Asia Kate Dillon, and you better be careful, Kyle, because they are non-binary. Well, that's fine. Um, uh, but yeah, I this was actually my first time seeing them at all. Like, I don't even have Orange is the New Black to work from for a framework. Um, and yeah, I wasn't terribly impressed either. Something about their delivery, it was just kind of like, I need a little more, maybe? Or maybe a little less, actually. Because right, the entire concept of the character is that they're essentially, the reason why they don't have a name, the reason why they only have a title, is because that's exactly what they are. They have no personality other than being maybe a little bit catty. Um, other than that, they're just there to process the laws of the guild. They're just there to literally adjudicate. <laughs> she's just eye acting. Like, like that's it. She's just supposed to be robotic. Yeah, that's what you're saying. She's one dimensional, and she's yeah. just eye acting. And it's just I I get it, but it's like they. I don't they, know. I I either needed like way over the top or like robotic to the point of like oh shit. Like, are you a person? Like like think um. Ex Machina or something. 
like I, that kind of style. I was thinking uh, like a better character like this is um, the the lady from uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. The oh the prostitute? No, no, no. The other one, the one that uh, fucks oh. up Jenny, the lady with the black hair, the one that works. Oh. For, like she she was scary. <laughs> <laughs> she's supposed to be kind of one dimensional like that. She's just supposed to get shit done, and that 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 actress does much a much better job at that role. That's yeah. kind of what I was seeing her as. I, I get where you're coming from. I yeah. think we both agree that's like didn't quite work, but you yeah. know it's a small part in a very fast moving, like <laughs> packed to the gills with action kind of movie. So it's like, eh, I can forgive that. Basically, um, but yeah, she's she's coming to the Continental to tell Ian McShane that he's going to have to step down in seven days because he allowed. Um, now, it's not that he allowed a murder at the Continental. It's that he didn't punish the person appropriately, as he's supposed to. And uh, they're like, well, you're going to have to step down. He's like, oh. And you can see his wheels turn, and he's just like, all right, well, enjoy your stay at the Continental. Okay. Um, yeah, she's actually staying there. But yeah. um, what this is supposed to clue us in on, uh, the audience, is that um, there are tiers to this organization, and we're starting to see like the upper tiers of it. We're starting to see that not every, not even Ian McShane who owns the continental and was shown to be like infinitely powerful in the first film, significantly less in the second one. And now in the third one, he seems like kind of an afterthought where it's like, Oh, okay. Things are much bigger than we thought. Um, and her second stop though, is to pay a visit to the Bowery King played by one Lawrence Fishburne, who Larry? was, Oh yeah, he's in Larry mode in this, <laughs> like, and I loved it. He was great. Well, that was his name in uh, Apocalypse Now. He was credited as Larry Fishburne. Mm-hmm. Early in his career, he went yeah. by Larry. I think in his Cowboy Curtis days, he was Larry. Cowboy. <laughs> 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 that hair, man, that Jerry curl. That but, was funny. Um, um, but the Bowery King was introduced to us in the second film, um, and there's a running theme from basically throughout all these movies where uh, John Wick has friends. Uh, everybody operates within this organization, but everybody also has like personal relationships. And the entirety of this movie is basically running to his friends and asking for help, like a series of stops along the way, essentially. And the second film, uh, in an act of desperation, he sought out Lawrence Fishburne, the Bowery King, who's uh, essentially King Hobo of New York. <laughs> um, he has a network of hobos, armed hobos, an entire army, in fact. And uh, the adjudicator pays him a visit and essentially gives him the same the same business where it's like, we know what you did. You helped John Wick. You supplied John Wick with a gun, knowing full well that he was going to go kill somebody who he was not allowed to kill. Uh, and for that, uh, you will be punished in seven days. And Larry Fishburne just kind of like laughs it off. But um, later on, we get some actual consequences. And... I'm a little, I'm a little fuzzy on the sequencing here. But is this when she goes to pick up Mark Dacascos? No, we get to uh, Casablanca first. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Keanu gets to Casablanca and he meets up with Halle Berry's, and she, I guess, is she has her own, similar to the Continental. She's got her own gig there. I'm not really sure what she's doing. She's just kind of in a room with some dogs. Uh, <laughs> not. I didn't like her acting in this scene. <laughs> I did. I gave her. I gave her some credit. 
Um, when she when she declares that she's fucked, I believed it because I think she was also think she in her mind her acting method was referencing her own career. (laughs) (laughs) No, because, like, yeah, a lot of it, I was just kind of, like, tuning it out. Like, okay, I I heard this before. She has some business where she has a daughter that she's not allowed to see because if she does, then the organization will find her and cause problems for her. But when she gets to the end of that spiel, and she's like, and this is why you're here talking to me, and this is why I'm stuck in Morocco, and this is why I'm fucked. And I was like, oh, I think I believe you. Just for that one instance. The rest of it, I, in one ear, out the other. But that last part I got. Then again, they're also betraying a world that I... I have no idea what it's like to live in. I mean, she shoots him, and she's like, you shot me. Or she's like... He says something, she's like, oh, you, you tried to kill me. He's like, no, I just shot you or something like that. And then they have, like, a like he's just talking quiet, but she's having, like, quick, like, snippets of, oh, you fucker, I don't want to help you. <laughs> I guess I gotta fucking help you or something like that. <laughs> and uh, essentially, yeah, she's gonna help him. Uh, yeah, he, the, the, the main takeaway here is that the marker that he retrieved at the library uh, was marked with her blood. Yeah. Um, because he helped her out. I'm guessing he like helped her get her daughter out of the country or something. Probably that's a big deal. Um, so basically, she owes him like a literal blood debt, um, which is why she. I mean, he speak. He tries to reason with her, but that's a big reason as to why she actually agrees to help him. Um, and so he's requesting an audience with somebody who you would know, mm-hmm. uh, and and one of the people sitting next to me in the theater definitely knew. Correct. But I did not. <laughs> yes, uh, I. I don't know the dude's name. Uh, he plays Braun on uh, Game of Thrones. He's a reoccurring character. He was an assassin. Um, his name is uh, Jeremy Flynn. Uh, he he has a really he's in the last episode and uh, he he finally he got he earned he finally earned his uh, his his place in the world. It was kind of funny to see. Um, he was also used to date um, the lady who plays Cersei. Um, Lena Headley. Uh, oh, apparently they were not allowed. They couldn't be on set at the same time. Apparently, uh, they had a bad breakup and they weren't <clears throat> each other at all. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he's playing an asshole. Uh, he tells them like, "Listen, you're." He's like, "I want an audience with your boss and basically the head of the high table, uh, who's who they're trying to get to." And he's just like, "I can't do that. I mean, I might be able to, but I probably can't. But I might." Uh, <laughs> yeah, this this conversation went a lot of weird ways. It was, it was like, like I don't know if you're saying anything at all, but you no. keep talking. Every <laughs> every conversation he has is like, I can't do that. I might be able to do that. I think I'll do that for you. Uh, <laughs> it's very it, frustrating. It's very frustrating. Um, but yeah, he he tells them like, listen, this is it's pretty hopeless. This is the best I can do. What I can do is is you can walk through the desert and you can keep walking in the desert till you're about to die. And then when you think you're about to die, just keep walking. And then maybe the guy will see you. Just maybe. Yeah. And uh, they're about to leave. And uh, he's like, well, wait a second. Now, I don't think you were paying attention. And he's like, come in here. I need something in return. And he they show him petting the dog before. And he's like, I really like this dog. And uh, Halle Berry's like, no, you cannot have my dog. And he's like, really? I mean, I really like this dog. And she's like, no, you can't have him. She's like, he's like okay so he shoots the fucking dog and i'm like you've got to be like the whole audience was just <gasps> gasp but um we 
find out that the dogs actually have, I guess, armored, like, like an armored vest on, and it actually, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Both there's two dogs. Uh, what breed are these, by the way? Uh, uh, these are uh, Malinois, Malamutes, Mal- Malinois, Malinois uh, Belgian Shepherds, basically. Okay, um, they're gorgeous. It, they're great dogs. I watched. I actually have seen some videos of these dogs before I watched this movie. They are incredible. They are the top tier police dogs. They, Ooh. they, they. I think they're a little lighter than German Shepherds, and they they have an incredible bite, and they can jump. As you can see in this movie, I don't know how much of this was CGI dog and legit trained dogs. I think a lot I'd, of this was legit trained dog. I think you're right. Um, but yeah, I, the folks that I saw the movie with were all of them dog people, and when that dog got shot, oh. Oh, oh! They, they were not having eye. it. They show his well, eyes. He, that was oh. It fl- it flops over on its side, and, and like it's a CGI dog that falls over. Like I could tell anyway, but uh, yeah, the people with me were just like, nope. <laughs> like they jumped in their seats and were very upset in that moment. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Pretty traumatic for the people I was with. I was just like, whatever. But that's me. I'm a terrible person. I know. So you pissed off Halle Berry's, and now she just looks at him like it's on, dude. And they just they just start killing people. She shoots him in the dick, I think. Or she sh- yeah, she shoots him in the dick, and the dog the dogs just go berserker. Um, yeah. Um, Keanu gives her a please don't, but she. I mean, he knows. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he knows what's up. Like literally, he he had a puppy die. This is a puppy dying was the entire reason this franchise exists. <laughs> but um yeah, big shootout. Um and yeah, that fella, the guy who plays Braun, uh I think he gets shot twice in the legs and then the dog goes for the nuts. She shoots uh, him in the dick, I think, and then the dog goes for it and then she shoots him in the leg. I think the dog is like working on so the nuts. He gets double dicked. Um Yeah. I don't know that he dies. I'm assuming he bleeds out, but uh, it's not confirmed because it doesn't happen on camera. No, it's not confirmed, and I thought he was actually going to come back later because they didn't kill him on screen, but he actually doesn't. This is his only... Well, keep that in mind because yeah. that's a huge part of this franchise. Um, oh, he'll yeah, come this, back. This shootout, like you said, uh, pretty entertaining. Uh, it goes on and on and on and on. For a really long time. <laughs> um, very well choreographed. Um all of these movies have what I like to call like shooting gallery sequences, uh, where it essentially feels like somebody going through a target range and just a putty shows up and they shoot him. A putty shows up and they shoot him. It's and like a video game. Yeah, it's yeah. Actually, I think video games and this franchise are kind of go hand in hand. Like this, a lot of imagery, a lot of camera angles, even seem directly lifted from video games. Um, and yeah, it definitely feels like it choreographed in the style of somebody playing a video game but really skillful choreography and that we keep cutting back like seamlessly between keanu and and halle berry like taking out a whole crowd of people um good use of the location um and then the dogs uh so the two dogs are running running in and out of the scene (laughs) uh taking people down and pretty much like like clockwork every time somebody gets taken down by a dog uh, either Halle Berry or Keanu Reeves walks up and pops the fellow in the head. <laughs> and it just keeps playing out over and over and over again to the point that it did get a little bit repetitive. 
Although it is very satisfying watching these dogs fuck move. people up. Yeah, it's, they it, fuck people up. Yeah, it's <laughs> incredible. I don't know how much they had, um, like with these. I mean, the dogs are running around biting people. It's just a symphony of gunshots and shrieks. And uh, I don't. I'm wondering how how well the dogs did if they were using. Um, when they were shooting on set, were they using blanks? And was it actually loud while they were doing it? And the dogs are still doing this stuff. Uh, it was really neat. But uh, I forgot to mention, um, before we actually get to this gunfight, the adjudicator does visit uh, Mark Dacascos. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Yeah, Mark Mark Dacascos, if you're not familiar, um, maybe <laughs> most prominent role to mainstream audiences, I guess, would be as the chairman on Iron Chef, Iron Chef America. Um, he is a very prolific martial arts actor. Uh, he's he's been working for decades, but he yeah. just never really hit the big time. Uh, he's always been very skillful, always very charismatic, but I don't know. Like it's, he just never took off. Um, I actually have a movie on my shelf called Drive, not the Ryan Gosling one um, that came out the same year as Rush Hour, and it just happens to be Asian man and black guy buddy cop movie gotcha. uh, yeah. um that it's like maybe his best performance if you ask me and it just shows every talent that he has he's very charismatic in this movie oh yeah um he's funny genuinely funny <laughs> oh like he i thought he was i thought it was like a legit japanese dude like doing this i it, I, I didn't recognize him at first and then when he started talking I'm like okay that guy looks familiar now but uh, basically, she hires him as um, to track down John Wick and kill him. And he's got some yeah. uh, some some dudes with him as well. Yeah, he's he's got his uh, <laughs> he's got his Foot Clan guys basically. <laughs> so him and the him and the Foot are like her uh, or their uh, I guess their their tool for carrying out the orders of the High Table. So I all like those thre- all those threats that the Adjudicator made earlier in the movie, Mark Dacascos and his his foot clan are the ones to carry them out yeah these guys were a good addition to the movie um yeah after after the shootout in casablanca um she actually talked to uh to zero is the name is zero uh in the movie she talked to them before this but uh they get to the theater where um morticia is doing the (laughs) ballet thing now we Mm -hmm. have a full-on ballet practice there's just one beefcake and he's just kind of helping this might be the most russian thing i've ever seen (laughs) like the music has that like trans-siberian orchestra feel to it where it's like metal but with an orchestra yeah and and then there's ballet going on (laughs) in like a gaudy theater it's like damn (laughs) these dudes just appear like there she's just watching these guys just appear in the background and she stops the ballet the adjudicator's there she basically tells the dudes the same like she tells her the same thing she told the dudes like you helped John Wick now, now you have to do something, uh, uh, something you need to show them. fealty Yeah, um, that's a phrase that comes up multiple times in the movie she tells them to say their oath or whatever and like, uh, for her I have served I will serve I guess yeah, she puts her hands together like she's about to pray and they just stab her through the both hands yeah, they uh, give her the stigmata. <laughs> I guess that's her punishment. I'm like, that's not that bad. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, that could have been worse. Yeah, so that's her punishment. That's but, her punishment. Um, yeah, uh, Larry Fishburne's punishment is a, a little bit more severe. Yeah, um, he, he tries to like laugh it off as not that big a deal. And by the way, almost every 
I think literally every uh, visit that Zero and his goons uh, make to all these places, uh, they end up slicing and dicing quite a few people on the way. Yeah. Um, so a lot of a lot of dead this, hobos. I was gonna say um, uh, before we get to the Bowery King, um, John gets to the desert and he's <laughs> he gets his uh, uh, his blood on the thing. Like I you, yeah. I know, so, yeah. So, um, following the shootout with Halle Berry, um, she drives him off into the desert and like to a T, uh, I guess his plan is to do what that brawn fella had told him to do, go walk in the desert. I don't know that I would trust that cause that all sounded very vague and suspect, but, yeah. <laughs> um, like, you did that seriously. <laughs> yeah. And she, she kind of salt, she, she's pretty salty about the whole thing cause it, I don't know that she thinks her chances of surviving the next couple of days are very high. I mean, she's got um, those dogs. She should be fine. Yeah, she sends him on his way into the desert alone. Uh, he does indeed pass out. But then he's picked up by a fellow with a camel, and then he wakes up in a tent. Uh, and there's a... I don't know... I don't know this guy's name. I can't I, pronounce this guy's I don't name. Know his name. Uh, he is the guy that tortures Mark Wahlberg in uh, Three Kings. Syed Tag- Tagmawi. Tagmawi. Oh. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I believe he is. I know he speaks French, so that would make me suspect that he actually is Moroccan. He is. He is. Uh, he is uh, from France of Moroccan. Uh, Moroccan. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was in the GI Joe movie. And, That's uh, what I. <laughs> I remember seeing a scene like I wasn't sure what the movie was, but he popped up, and I'm like, "Oh, that's that guy." The yeah, guy. he's he's in the GI Joe movie and uh, Wonder Woman um, as one of her buddies. No, no, no. You're right. I'm sorry. Not GI Joe. It was Wonder Woman. That's what it was. Sorry. Okay, but yeah, I I believe he is actually Moroccan. But he, uh, he plays a character by the name of the Elder, and he's not a very old guy, as far as I can tell. But um, uh, this character probably. bothered me because I didn't really get it. Like this, this character is spoken of as being above the high table, which, by the way, we've never seen, and we don't understand how it works. But now we're being introduced to somebody who's apparently above that, and he lives in the desert, and apparently knows everything that happens in the desert because the chances of him finding a random guy that passed out in the yeah. desert are very slim to none. So it's all very hazy, and I'm not entirely sure how this all works. But apparently, this character. Whatever he says goes. Uh, so he he and John Wick have a conversation, and if I'm remembering right, he's basically telling John Wick that he, he asks him what he wants, because even us, the audience, we're not entirely sure. Like, he's just been running and killing throughout all these movies. Yeah. And he explains that he he's sad, that he, he misses his wife, and... He wants to continue living to preserve that feeling, like of of love, I guess. Like yeah. he he wants to hold on to that memory, and the only way he can know that he can do that is if he stays alive, because he doesn't have any guarantees in death. Uh, so that's his objective: is just stay alive no matter what. Um, so the elder makes him a proposition, says, uh, "I can let you back into the organization. You'll continue to serve as you did." So you'll just become another. You'll become an instrument of death. So you won't get to go back to you know the, that good time in your life when you're just living happily with your wife. You'll have to go back to just being a killing machine. Um, but you'll have to do something for me. Oh yeah, and by the way, you also have to pay tribute. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and surprisingly, John Wick's like, okay, I'll do it. Um, so he ha- now has a mission where he has to go kill Winston, uh, Ian McShane, the head of the Continental. But before doing that, he has to pay tribute uh, by cutting off one of his fingers. Yeah, they go. And very, very symbolically, it's the f- it's his ring finger with his wedding ring on it. Um, and he he does the yakuza deal not very efficiently. <laughs> um, he doesn't tie it off or anything, as far as I remember. And he cuts off his ring finger and hands both the finger and the wedding ring to the elder. Uh, elder pockets the wedding ring, which is a funny little detail. It's like, dang, that's cold. <laughs> like right in front of the guy, you're just gonna pocket that shit. Um, and then. Finally, John Wick gets a bath. Like, man, oh, he must—he must have stunk. Do they let like, him sleep? Do they feed him or something? Good I think so. They give him a new suit, uh, and there's like a, a hot bath waiting for him in a in a tent nearby. Uh, we we don't get a, a Keanu bathing scene, but this whole this whole time up until now, it's all been playing out like very briskly, and you know he hasn't had any downtime, and he's still covered in blood and scars and stuff. It's like, man, just. Can this guy get a bath or a shower or he's something? Sprint, he's been sprint fighting for the past 48 hours, I'd say. 24, yeah. something like that, somewhere around there. Because I'm not, inclu- well, not including... I mean, the second movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, <laughs> the entire second movie, in addition to the first half of this one. There's a, there's a really funny, uh, really bad joke on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They're going to get uh, Dennis and D are going to go get into shape. They're going to go to the gym. And he's like, I don't want to get too bulky. You know, I want to get like that that lean, like Jesus on the cross body. And uh, D goes, oh, I bet that, that crucifixion was just great for your core. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder like how good a shape he's going to be. Like He could probably... I'd say run a marathon. Like Give him like a week of rest. I think he could bust out a marathon after this is all over with. Yeah, well, I mean, it, w- it wouldn't be a pretty marathon, though, because as we've seen in other movies, Keanu does not have a good run. No. Um, in this one especially. No, but I mean, in real life, like, I don't think he has a pretty run. Like, no. <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's fast. I don't. I can't tell, but it, he just has bad form. <laughs> I don't know. He hurt his knee in Point Break in the movie. I don't know about in real life, but... <laughs> well, I mean, we've seen it in other movies, too. He, yeah. he did not go to the Tom Cruise school of running. Put it that way. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, so then the Bowery King is that where we're at? The Bowery King was before this. Um, it was right before the cutting off of the finger. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, the ninjas. This is where the ninjas come through, and they're getting to Lawrence Fishburne, and they are fucking people up quiet, like sneakily. Like there's several instances where these guys just went, oh shit, he was hiding up there, or he just come out of the shadows on top, on top of the lockers. That was, was pretty awesome. funny. Where he stabs the guy on top of the head, and just like was, poke. <laughs> Then he goes back up there, like he stabs the dude in the head. Then he hides back up there and waits, and then they then they move along. They do um, some clever stuff with with that, where it's like, oh shit, that guy was hiding in plain sight, and even I didn't notice. <laughs> I liked Lawrence Fishburne's performances. I like I liked his character in this. Uh, he gets a little bit more screen time, but I, I like his character, and he I do too. He he basically tells her he's like, there's not I'm not stepping down. There's not going to be another Bowery King. I am the king. And uh, he sends a pigeon. I did like his little thing about the pigeon. She's like, "Tell somebody else to watch your stupid pigeon." He's like, "Oh, these guys are great. There's you can't track them. That's the greatest way to send information. You don't know what's happening. Like no one can track it." But uh, basically, his punishment is that he's going to get since he. What's the significance of seven? Seven bullets. Okay, so he gave John Wick seven bullets, so he has to get seven cuts. 
and they slice him. Yeah, uh, um, pretty quick. Mark Dacascos <laughs> slices and dices pretty nastily, and he falls down face first, and a big pool of blood forms. And uh, yeah, it's pretty severe. We should mention Mark Dacascos' character Zero. So when she first talks to Zero, he's at a sushi restaurant, and he's uh, he's making a blowfish uh, sashimi. And Fugu. He, yeah. <laughs> He's like very poison. At first, he's just very like very nice and very friendly. Like, hi, how's it going? Like, kind of playing it up a little bit. And then, once he realizes who she is, he drops that, and his demeanor changes. He gets a little more macho. And then you see him like through these scenes, kind of fucking people up. So you're like, okay, this guy's no fucking joke. And then we get to him with the Bowery, uh, the Bowery King. And, but his demeanor's going to change later, which is that's the only reason why I'm mentioning that. Just the way his character kind of changes. Well, it's important to note because like. One thing that you notice in the the like the flow of the sequences where he and his boys are running through people, like literally just like running through people. Um, yeah. Uh, he he's a showman. Like he he does the flashy moves that John Wick does not. Uh, and more importantly, he has an entourage. He's the yeah. last guy to show up. He finishes people. He doesn't start the fight. He finishes the fight. So a lot of times. His his boys will rough somebody up, and then he'll step in and deliver the finishing blow, and it translates to almost every action scene he's in in this movie. Um, so it's it's just a stylistic difference that kind of puts him at the opposite end of John Wick, who's pretty much always alone, except for a couple exceptions in the entire franchise. Um, but at this point, what John Wick is on his way back to New York to kill Winston, uh, his friend. Um, but it's what he's got to do. Um, and then I think I was a little confused as, as to his status because it was my understanding that by being uh, brought back into the organization, he all, all was forgiven. Yeah. Like the, that's... the contract was up. But it seems like that's not entirely the case because the, the ninjas, uh, Mark DeCoscos and his goons, are after him. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I think that guy might be on the same level like as the Adjudicator, maybe. Like, she has just as much power as the guy in the desert. Like, he's not the top, but he's, like, he's way up there. Like, well, Keanu refers to him as the man who sits above the high table, and the Adjudicator's mission is to carry out the will of the high table. So, uh, in my mind, I, I would put him above. But then again... Uh, Keanu hasn't actually carried out the the task that was appointed to him, so maybe until he does that, all is fair Perhaps. game. Yeah, maybe that's um, what it is. We can assume that. But whatever. No, <laughs> yeah, we get to um, yeah this this scene train station. He he straight up slits a dude's throat in the train station. Nobody says anything. Like no, nobody even passing by even acknowledges it. If this is how New York is, I kind of want to move there because it just seems great. Like nobody is paying attention to anything. Look down. Don't ask questions. It's probably somebody playing a joke on, with a camera trying to get a rise out of us. Just keep walking. Well, but, there's uh, a there's a movie called uh, Q, the Winged Serpent, where it's it's about Quetzalcoatl actually arriving in New York and killing people. So it's like a giant bird monster. Mm. Um, and the joke is that apparently no one in New York ever looks up. So this monster keeps picking people off because <laughs> like they never bother to look up. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it's in downtown New York, but yeah, we got a fun exchange here between uh, Mark Dacascos and Keanu Reeves, where uh, like a bunch of school children pass between them when they're brandishing knives at each other, and 
Mark Dacascos was like, that's why you're one of the good ones, because, you know, I actually wouldn't have stopped. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I would have run straight through right. each and every one of these fucking kids. <laughs> yeah, but, he... Oh, I was going to say, he, he escapes the train station. He escapes, uh, escapes from this exchange and uh, hops on a bike. bike Dude, circle. the way he hops on that bike, the, that fucking flying dive he does does to knock the first person off the motorcycle. Yeah. That was that nuts. Was, that was Like, cool. straight from the fucking door, just like, blah! Yeah, that was pretty cool. He, just, like, he walks slowly out the door, then he starts to run a little bit and knocks a dude off the <laughs> He just goes flying at him. Was yeah, like, it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, he gets on a motorcycle, and I like this. Uh, I don't usually care for chase sequences in movies. It doesn't do anything for me. I'm like, okay, this is just more runtime. Uh, I actually really enjoyed this. I thought this was pretty cool. The motorcycle. This was this was pretty cool. Um, it's maybe the most transparently like a CGI assisted sequence in the in- entirety of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, motorcycle stunts are scary. Like yeah. th- you, you have to do them a certain way. So a lot of this stuff was done for real, but then a lot of it is done using a technique I've seen in other movies where essentially it's like a bolted down motorcycle that's being get carried in the bed of a truck. Mm-hmm. And then they composite the background to make it look like they're, they're actually driving the motorcycle when in actuality it's perfectly stable. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's it's a. <laughs> I'm sorry, but some of the pulled out shots, I could not help but think of Akira. <laughs> oh. uh, motorcycle fight, you yeah. know, and then like the the lighting in this movie we haven't talked about, but a lot of fluorescence and colored lighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really cheap stuff, but very impactful in the way it influences the look and the feel of the movie. So lots of LED strips, lots of fluorescent tubes everywhere, lots of colors. Um, this entire scene is like bathed in green when they're in the tunnel and stuff. Um, reminded me a lot of this Korean movie that came out a couple of years ago called The Villainous that uh, has a couple of like first person and like shot mostly on GoPro action sequences, one of which happens on a motorcycle. Um, I'm, I would not be surprised if the filmmakers were influenced by that movie, especially since it like made all the money in Korea. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, this was a pretty cool scene, and the way, it, um, I mean, everybody's brandishing swords on motorcycles. It's pretty cool, and that one beat where the dude's, I think he gets his, like, forearm sliced off, and then his jacket gets caught in the, in the spoke of his motorcycle, and he goes flipping. It's like Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade dialed yeah. up to 11. It's pretty spectacular. Like, the impact is like, ooh! <laughs> ooh. I don't know, I think the one in Indiana Jones was really good, because I remember that one, because he just... F- f- just the, I mean, the the like the the like comedy in that sequence was perfect, because you see, you see, like, Indy look over, and then, like, look again, and he's like, hmm. <laughs> and then he throws it in. And then the, the icing on the cake, though, the cherry on top, is uh, the aftermath. Where Indy's like laughing to himself, and he looks over to his dad, his dad and his dad's is just not like impressed. Yeah, Junior, <laughs> Junior. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the motorcycle sequence comes to a close when uh, Mark DeCoscos chases Keanu. Uh, they both take a fucking header off the bikes, <laughs> um, but then Keanu places one palm on the front step of the Continental, which of course is like hallowed ground. We do not fight on hallowed ground. No. And uh, the fighting has to come to a close because now Mark Costcos is disallowed from spilling blood on continental grounds. Uh, Lance Reddick, uh, yeah. 
is a fixture in all of these movies. He gets to do more in this one, which is kind of cool. Quite a bit more, yeah. yes. Um, he's, what, the concierge, I guess, of the hotel? Yeah, you could say that. Um, yeah, he he's at the front door, and he's like, cut the shit, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Keanu asks for an audience with Ian McShane, and in the meantime, he's placed in a waiting room with Mark DeCoscos, yeah. and... When he sits down next to him, that yeah, was pretty we, fuck. That was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> we had a good laugh at that at our theater. Um, yeah, but yeah, then he he's sitting there and uh, Mark DeCoscos like it looks like he's gonna say something real. Like he's just gonna stare at him and he's just like, "I gotta say, man, I'm a huge <laughs> fan." <laughs> he just fanboys out on him. He's just super excited to sit next to him, or, like just sit there and talk to him. His dog comes out. It was really cute. He's just. Basically, it's funny. He's just sitting there talking to him, and the dog is just licking John's face, and he's just oh not, yeah, not yeah. even acknowledging him. The dog's just going to town, and it's just kind of nice. Um, but he goes in to see Ian McShane. Yeah, um, this was another strange little exchange where this is like one of the coolest sets I've seen in recent years. <laughs> this glass room. Yeah, um, we did a, a hall of mirrors in the, at the conclusion of the second film as well. However, I think it's Maybe a little bit better executed in this one. Kind of arguable, though, because that second one is very striking from a visual standpoint, that, that Hall of Mirrors sequence. I don't remember. Um, but what but what they do with the space, I think, is better in this one. Um, anyway, it's this really elaborate, like, two-story, maybe even three-story set that's it's a series of glass... Ca- it's, it's 13 ghosts. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's 13. the 13 ghosts room. <laughs> Um, and Ian McShane's just hanging out, and uh, he he knows why Keanu's there, but he challenges his motives. He's like, "Do you really want to live? Do you really want to be like a killing machine, like just just for the sake of existing? Like, do you really want to exist just to exist?" And Keanu doesn't really. I don't know. They go back and forth. It's a little hazy what their motives are here. He changes his mind almost immediately. Like, the whole reason he got all the way on the desert, cut off a finger so he could live, come back here, and he's just like, it took a conversation. Not, not even a conversation. A few sentences. And Ian McShane basically flips him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the adjudicator comes down the stairs and is like, so are you going to kill him? And Keanu's like, no. No. <laughs> And so it's decided right then and there that um, Ian McShane and uh, Winston and John Wick are going to stand in opposition of the high table. So Which? the adjudicator pulls out a flip phone and says, hey, uh, Continental is what? De- deconsecrated, I think yeah, is the term they use. So it's basically excommunicado, but for an entire building and all the people therein. Yeah. Um, and this is where the, the title of the film comes from. It's a very awkward title, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Um, but Parabellum, I believe, means prepare for war. Sure. Uh, and that's essentially what the end of this movie is. It's a very small-scale war. Um, so it becomes like a siege movie, kind of, where basically the uh, high-table forces are invading the hotel. Um, the high-table forces, as represented by people in SWAT gear, faceless people in SWAT gear basically super squat super SWAT gear we'll, yeah we'll super learn. SWAT people because they're armored to the tits <laughs> there's some more gun porn here they get into like a gun panic room I guess is what you'd call it um, yeah 
It's like a bank vault, but filled with guns and yeah. booze. Image <laughs> a, a nice, sexy couch he's sitting on with a sifter of brandy and um, the chair. I think his name's Sharon, uh, the concierge. He he's gearing up, and John they're just getting all kinds of bullets and stuff, and uh, they're gonna head out and beat some ass. Um, the um, what's her name? What's what's their name again? The Judicator. There we go. Yeah. Um, she's like, yeah. Well, we're gonna be um, we're gonna be, you know, accompanied by the uh, round table's finest, and it's just a bunch of dudes in SWAT gear with uh, with guns. When they start shooting at these guys, and it's not really doing anything. The bullets are more or less bouncing off. I'm like, what? <laughs> fuck. That kind of. I'm like, we're now we're gonna get some fun gun food. I'm like, eh, not not that. Easy. Not quite. <laughs> not quite. But uh, basically, they start they start shooting at these guys, and they. Uh, uh, Ian McShane, his uh, the concierge has some guys, but they're all in just suits, and they think this is just your standard. We're gonna shoot each other. Now those guys are pretty much taken out immediately. Oh yeah, no, they go down quick and easy. They're like they're like the SWAT team in Die Hard. <laughs> just like yeah, oh, I love that when yeah, he hits the prickler bush. I think that, that was, was perfect. I, I for some reason I just I think that was real. I think that was the actor walking by and actually got pricked. Like we're gonna keep that. That was funny. Like, like in terms of editing though, it works so well though because it's like foreshadowing. It's like lo- oh these guys are pansies. <laughs> One of the best scenes in that movie. Who's the who's the the Asian fella? He you know exactly. Al Al Young. Yes. When he's he's all geared up and he's looking, he looks down. All right, and he just starts grabbing. I loved it. Uh, no, it's that's, that's how you get candy as an adult. You look at it and you're like, no. Mm. I do have yeah. access to candy. I, I, I do have access. I'm an like, adult. Like, that's a a cookie this. before dinner? He had that's a few so candy naughty. bars. I think he grabbed a crunch bar first, then he's working on a Mars bar after that. <laughs> but, I mean, it's uh, a long night, man. Yeah. <laughs> just wound them. But yeah, so uh, John finds the weak point at the neck, so he starts, you know, fighting some dudes, shooting them in the throat. Um, and then. This is kind of I was, this is kind of taken uh, by surprise. They go back like they just kind of like knock on the door, and Ian McShane just opens it up with his, this little remote. And they come oh my there. god! This was this was maybe the biggest laugh I got in the movie. I got like three of them in a row from Ian McShane because Keanu comes in and he's huffy, but Lance Reddick he comes in he doesn't say a fucking word he just he like he's mad he's pissed he walks straight <laughs> to the back so and grabs a new gun he doesn't say a fucking word keanu's like i need better guns and ian mcshane is so beautiful he doesn't say a word he just puts his hands up and says like <laughs> like i mean we have guns we have guns but it's so beautiful because he doesn't say anything and he has this <laughs> he has so much booze yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just got, a fucking lush <laughs> i mean this is bigger than a wine glass, and if this were a wine glass, this would be a lot. Like this is <laughs> nearly a half a bottle, half a fifth of brandy that he's that he's sipping on. Yeah, but he he made me laugh so hard in this scene because they're like grabbing new guns and they're loading them up and they're getting ready to go out there, and he doesn't move. He oh, just sits on the couch and keeps sipping his booze. And even when it comes time to close the door, they don't shut it. He just clicks a remote. Yeah. <laughs> like, but they get some armor-piercing bullets. Um, unfortunately, it's in shotgun form, which I think mm-hmm. made these sequences a little bit more fun because he has to shoot, fight, and reload because they can only hold about... Most shotguns can hold about five shells. I think these hold about five or six. Um, yeah. So, yeah, 
I like the shotgun sequence. The like when he gets that first shot off, I mean the dude's head is gone. Like these these were no there's like mini explosives in these in No, the I mean this is this is like video game logic again, yeah. where it's just like if if you're playing Doom or something and you get the shotgun, this is the effect you expect when somebody gets shot. <laughs> it's yeah. like I don't I don't think it's realistic at all, but it's it's what we're programmed to expect. I do and like, it's very satisfying. And now they're 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 doing they're doing some work on these guys, and the adjudicator uh, calls Ian McShane. <laughs> she says, "Like we could, like she gets like two word. They get word like two words out, and then he just hangs up the phone. <laughs> and they were kind of, they back. Yeah, he's a little bit catty. Yeah, <laughs> no, um, he's great. Yeah, they they're still fucking people up with the shotguns, and I I think they call him back and ask for a parlay. Uh, not just yet." Um, we get the final fisticuffs. Um, oh, God. This yeah. was like 10 minutes long. I think this whole sequence, it is crazy long. Yeah. Um, so we after the second wave where we, we have the shotguns with the armor-piercing rounds, uh, the final step in this, this climactic battle uh, is, of course, Mark Dacascos and his ninja troop. Um and we head back to the glass room because if we're going to do martial arts, I mean, the glass room is where we do it. <laughs> yeah. um, so Keanu heads in there alone. Uh, Lance Reddick, I think, heads back to hang out with Ian McShane because, I, I mean, that's what I'd want to do. Um, and we get, like, what? A first wave of ninjas fighting Keanu. And okay. it's we funny because get- they're kind of they're beating his ass. We get two nerds who are beating the shit out of him. Yeah, but then the then the swords come out and they kind of fuck themselves because the the rule of thumb with John Wick is if he grabs you, he's either gonna take whatever it is you're trying to kill him with and use it against you, or at least take it away from you. So if they had just stayed barehanded and kept kicking him, they I think might. they'd be fine <laughs> because they put him through every piece of glass in the room. Yeah, it was like Dewey Cox ripping the sinks off. Like they're just. Oh no! Just like I, him I don't know if Keanu did each and every one of those those glass gags in one take because it was shot in one take. It felt uh, like it, yeah. I mean, I couldn't see his face clearly, so I don't know, but I think he did that, and that was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the fight with these two dudes, I didn't. It was fine. It was whatever. Um, it, There's it, a pretty good throat slash in there. Was that um, one of the blades gets caught blend. in a wall? And it's, like, just stuck in the wall. And Keanu just, like, throws the guy's throat into it. <laughs> it's oh, pretty tasty. Yeah, 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 I remember that now. Um, but the the main event is the two guys from earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, it's uh, Sisep Arif Rahman and uh, Yayan Ruhian. Are they um, Thai? They are Indonesian. Indonesian, um, sorry. They're from the Raid films. Uh, Sisep from the second one. Uh, maybe one of the best... The one of the very best one-on-one fight sequences I've ever seen committed to film. Um, so these two are amazing. Tremendous. So, yeah, they're, they're tremendous. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, again, reference to The Simpsons, there's a gag where the Yakuza are fighting the mafia on The Simpsons' front lawn, and Homer's complaining because he's being told he needs to go inside, but there's this little Asian guy who's standing with his arms folded and he hasn't done anything yet and he's like you know it's gonna be good <laughs> like it's the little guy and he hasn't done anything yet and that's what these two guys are is they are 
they're present for a lot of action scenes, but they're not spotlighted until the very end. So yeah, the whole movie, I was like, I know who those guys are and what they're capable of. Show me them. <laughs> they're very noticeable. Like I, I noticed them throughout the film. When they they're very the charismatic performers. They are. They actually like. They're kind of like fans of his. They they fight him a little bit, and then they kind of like shake his hand. Like we're we're actually honored to fight you, and they mm-hmm. kind of jab at him a little bit too. Like oh, he's getting kind of old. He's not that great, you know. I mean, yeah, it's still John Wick. That was another one of the biggest laughs for me. Is a. Uh, so the two of them, uh, they're both armed with knives, and he's got nothing, actually. Yeah. Um, majority of this fight is uh, a lot of grappling, a lot of judo and jiu-jitsu and stuff, and, of course, they're doing their silat. Um, but I, a, lot of these, a lot of the pacing is broken up by sequences where Keanu gets knocked down, and instead of following him and like stomping on him or whatever, they let him up. You know they're being, they're making a sport of it, and one of the biggest laughs I had in the movie was uh, they knock him down, and this is when they're saying like, "Oh, he's he, he's getting old. He's not as fast as he used to be," and he gets up and they like hold out their hands like like, "Oh, do you need a hand up?" And he gets up and he just puts his palms out and he's just like, "Whatever," <laughs> like, like he just shoots them both a look like "fuck both of you," and he actually just walks past them directly towards the camera and just like, "I've had enough," <laughs> and he, he's like muscling his belt off while he's, he looks like a pissed off dad it's, it was kind of funny i thought he was gonna take his jacket off finally i'm like is he actually gonna take his jacket off to fight but he's been doing all these movies with a sports coat on with a sports coat on i mean that's how you could that's how you hide your pads you know yeah. <laughs> i mean he uh, takes a lot of bumps i i would want to keep my jacket on too yeah he uh he fights these dudes and it's fun um they don't do the disappearing. It's Mark Dukaskis that does the disappearing. But yeah, this is maybe it's like fifteen minutes. Like this, fighting <laughs> the first two dudes, these two dudes. Um, does he actually kill these two? No, he does not. Very important to note. Um, so yeah, it's a two-on-one fight. It's pretty lengthy, and yeah. the the way the score is driving it, it's like driving home the the fact that yes this is this is awesome <laughs> and i believe the conclusion of it is he knocks one of them down and then he picks up he suplexes oh, one he, of them that yeah, made that made me ver- yeah, yeah that was or awesome. suple- suple- rather yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that made me very happy i laughed at that part because he he goes through the glass doesn't he like, yeah he, he picks up them. one of them and he, he like does like a samoan drop on him yeah. but i think he lands on top of the other one and they fall through the floor through the glass floor onto the glass floor below that and they're collapsed in a heap, and he gets up, they and they're, yeah, they're they're thinking about getting up, and uh, <laughs> this is where you fall down. <laughs> like, we're we're good, man. I, yeah, he's they, like, you you can you can get up if you like, but this is your opportunity to bow out, and they bow out. Uh, yeah. And then he heads upstairs, and Mark Dacascos is there. And Mark Dacascos has just been staring, like just kind of watching over over the glass creepily. He gets a he gets a couple of fun beats in there where he's like clapping almost. Yeah, I think he actually literally does like clap. He like, probably does. He, like he applauds him because he's a big fan. He's a super fan. Um, and unfortunately, as much as I love Mark Dacascos, um, there's no way he could measure up to those two. No. Like in terms of spectacle, it's like. All of these movies kind of peter out towards the end. It's kind of unfortunate, but that's just what happens. Um, like you have two dudes that weigh like a combined like two hundred pounds that can spin and kick and do all kinds of crazy <laughs> shit, like spinning ninja jujitsu. <laughs> like, spin jitsu, if you will. Spin jitsu, yeah. <laughs> 
was that? The rundown. That's what it was. It's like some kind of spinning Tarzan jujitsu. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like yeah, it's it's hard to top that. It probably would have been cooler if it was somebody younger, but I'm sure well, he's friends. Well, that's what's funny is they're they're both older guys. Yeah. So it's it's almost fitting that like <laughs> like our movie filled with bombastic action ends with two. Over the hill guys going at it. Two guys wheezing and about to shit their pants. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mark DiCosco still he's still got it. Like he's still a charismatic performer. He's still got the kicks. I say he's still in uh, shape. Better yeah, no, Keanu, he better than Keanu's kicks. And oh, what what were we talking about? Oh, uh, fucking uh, man of Tai Chi. <laughs> yeah, man. Of tai- he he gets one kick in this movie. Uh, he he does a side kick. He doesn't he doesn't try to do a roundhouse kick. He just does like a straight side kick and pushes someone through a glass wall. Um, the, I think it's the only kick he throws that isn't towards the balls in this movie. And yeah, he has some trouble getting that hip up. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, uh, their fight is it's like a sword fight. Except for the most part, Mark Dacascos is the only one that has a sword. Uh, they do their ninja tricks where both of them can disappear at will. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> care for that, I'll be honest with you. It was getting, I'm like, stop fucking disappearing. You're just, we could knock a f- like 10 minutes out of this movie, I feel like, by just not including <laughs> that disappearing <laughs> shit. It takes so um, much time. Yeah, I feel like maybe this should have been a three-on-one instead of a two-on-one and then a one-on-one. I think you're right. I think that this could have been the three of them fucking with him. But I don't know. You need If those guys are as good as you say they are, Like you need to showcase them. They need to... I'm glad need. that they got like spotlighted, but at the same time, it's just like, in terms of ordering things, from a storytelling standpoint, you have to have Mark Dacascos last. They're but not, in terms of spectacle, he can't... He, if, not, he's your, if he's your main event, he's not going to be as good as the opening act. I'm not trying to be racist, but are they twins, or are they just both Indonesian? No! No, okay. they're just both Indonesian. It's well, funny, moved- the person sitting next to me said the exact same thing. <laughs> they move so quickly, it's hard for me to get a good look at them. Like, they're the same height and build. They have the same haircut in the movie. Yeah. They, they both have the long hair pulled back. They're the same size. They're both five foot, or four eight, <laughs> I'm not sure. But they're both, like, tiny little dudes with the same haircut. I'm like, I don't think they're related, but they could be. So what he could have done is had him fighting one and like the disappearing thing keeps happening. He's like, he keeps fighting and then he realizes at some point, it's like, oh shit, there's two of them. I didn't, I thought there was just one of them, but it's actually two guys. Like, Yeah. That, I mean, that's something he could have done. I was thinking like, have it be three on one where like the two of them start the fight. Mark Dacascos like lunges in from the darkness and oh, then it's like, oh shit. Yeah. There's a third guy, and then over the course of the fighting, the two of them get, like, knocked out or just dispatched in some fashion because we want to keep them alive because there's going to be another movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, And then it seamlessly turns into a one-on-one, and then Mark Dacascos gets killed. Uh, yeah. That's In my mind, that maybe would have worked better, but whatever. Are, are uh, there any other martial arts? Would you consider this a martial arts film or just an action film? Mm, I mean, it's it's the purest of action films in that it tries to do every type of action possible. Like, we get cars, we get horses, we get dogs, we get guns, we get martial arts. I mean, these this did gangbusters at the box office, and the other two movies did really well. I mean, I think the first one, the first one did well. I don't know about the second one, but this one did really well. I think well. it did. This one did really well opening weekend. Are there any other movies of this type 
that could actually do well at the box office. I think that might be why they're doing a fourth one. I'm like, guys, we're actually making money off these things. We could probably do another one. Uh, not of this nature. No, um, I don't. usually there's some other gimmick attached, like it, it's like part of like a comic book franchise or or a previously established property. Um, this is like, like this, the purest of action films. This a movie like this normally wouldn't make money, and but they've locked into something special here. They absolutely have. Um, so, long story short, uh, Mark Dacascos is run through. Uh, we immediately cut to the the parlay. Um, adjudicator apparently is psychic and knows that all of her, all of their goons got killed. Uh, so they offer parlay to Winston. Like maybe we can work this out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then we cut back uh, to Mark Dacascos and Keanu. They have a little exchange. It's kind of funny because Mark Dacascos is like, oh, I just need to catch my breath. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a he has a he has fucking a wakizashi coming out of his chest. He's dying. And yeah, he's, like, he's. I was surprised he sits up because he's sitting de- like kind of down, <laughs> and he just kind of. Oh, give me! <laughs> he's like he's winded. I mean, it's it's akin to the penguin picking the cute one. I mean, I, if you, Batman Returns, uh, the penguin's last words yeah. one one of my very favorite quotes in cinema. Ah, shit! <laughs> I picked the cute one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it me I'll of be Bill. murdering you momentarily. <laughs> I just need a cool glass of ice water. Ah. Be, yeah, I'll be murdering you momentarily. I like uh, <laughs> Bill Murray and Zo- you didn't see Zombieland, have you? I have not. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I won't tell you then. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, we get to the parlay, which is on a roof, like a, not a rooftop, but like a, a terrace that has a nice couch and a fireplace. It looked like they just took the the wall and ceiling off of one of the rooms. Yeah, the fireplace really threw me. Yeah, um, um, it looked like if Al Pacino and the Devil's Advocate had another building. Yeah. Like, this is his alternate. Like, this is his summer building. (laughs) It was really, really raining yesterday. Like, when... Now it's sunny. Did you move that couch in? Because that looks like a a, a good $5,000 couch. Did you move that inside? No? Open air, yeah. 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 Um, But what happens here is that uh, John Wick gets double-crossed. Again, I saw this coming as soon as we got up there. I'm like, "Yep, he's about to he's about to get double crossed." That's exactly what's about. To yeah. Happen. So Winston, who previously was like buddy buddy with John Wick, uh, the adjudicator, basically they come to an agreement where Winston can retain his powers, and then John Wick is still fucked, <laughs> um, which results in Winston shooting John Wick multiple times with a handgun. Um, and of course he has his super duper awesome bulletproof suit. So the bullets don't really work, but he falls off the roof yeah. and it's a pretty spectacular CGI assisted fall. Um, it, he goes, he goes splat. <laughs> There's no way he survived this. I'm sorry. He, he hit his head on the fire escape of a building. I mean, th- this is, this is like black sheep falling down the hill. Kind of like, he goes off the building, hits an awning. Like, I'm like, oh, he might make it. And then he hits the fire escape. I'm like, nope, nope, sorry. That was yeah. too much. You should have just had him hit the awning and then maybe go oh, through another one. No, and then... what, what, what needed to happen here is he hits the ground and then a bunch of cats come out and start nibbling Why on him. <laughs> and then they nibble him back to hell. They nibble him back to hell. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, so the conclusion of our film is uh, I believe John Wick gets carted in on a uh, a shopping cart. Yeah, uh, by by uh, your your boy, the yeah, Jason yeah. Mat- Matsukas or whoever. Yeah. Um, 
and he is presented to the Bowery King, who is not dead. Yep. And he is drinking a Fanta, and this is fucking amazing. <laughs> I, do, I do like, yeah, Larry Fishburne. Great. Oh Great. yeah, he is in full on Larry mode, and I yeah. kind of love it. I'm, 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 I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see him do this. Um, but he is, his face is all cut to shit because he got his seven cuts, but apparently he didn't die. Uh, so he basically speechifies for a minute and explains that he's pretty, he's pretty upset. He's, oh, he's, he's not. Mad. He's very mad. And he's then, crazy guy mad. Like he was crazy already, but now he's mad. <laughs> um. And I believe the last shot of the film is Keanu Reeves looking up from from the ground, from the oriental carpeted ground. Hey, John, and he says, are you mad? <laughs> and he says, yeah. I'm like, God damn it, there's a John Wick 4. I had no clue that's where they were going to go. They were telling me the whole movie. They're like, he's not dead. No, 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 he's not dead. No, 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 There's the, that character, her, uh, uh, the adjudicator, I'm like, she kind of got off pretty easily there so yeah but once you see him get shot and like well obviously there's gonna be a fourth well by the time the credits rolled i figured it out because i I think i said before the way the way the next movie is probably going to play out is the way that i expected this one to play out (laughs) because there was a lot of evidence in the second film to suggest that keanu reeves and larry fishburne were going to get together just like they did in the matrix movies to fight the man so I was just picturing a movie where John Wick and the Hobo Army rise up and fight the Hightail. Yeah. Apparently, we're saving that. But uh, all throughout this entire franchise, we've had we've been planting the seeds for what looks to be a John Wick Avengers, <laughs> like a John Wick crossover. Where so Ruby Rose, not dead. Oh. Common, not dead. Uh, Csep and Yayan, not dead. So there's all these people that he's fucked up, but not killed. Also Halle Berry. So he's fought with all these people over all these movies, but they're not dead. And the asking price of most of these people probably isn't that high, except for Ruby Rose, who I'm guessing is expensive now. Come might be. be. Nah, not really. But she's doing that Batwoman thing. But yeah, what, really. what I'm trying to say here is there's a lot of characters who he has not killed, who he's shown mercy in some regard who have a chance to come back in some fashion and that's what i'm guessing they're gonna do because that's if there's any way to make an audience happy it's stuff like that it's it's wrestling logic every time the rock comes back after a hiatus the crowd goes nuts <laughs> uh, it's I like oh shit comments not dead <laughs> um i wanted to say real quick that i i don't i don't enjoy bashing people's performances of characters like for halle berry um, I just don't think that this is a this is a director that's good at directing actors for like dialogue, and it's not. I don't think it's their fault. I just don't think he's like, yep, that's good, that's good. I got a I got a fight sequence. I gotta I gotta figure out next. Um, same with um, uh, Asia Kate Dillon. Like I'm I'm sure they could have done better, but again, this isn't a this isn't a so much a story director. This is an action sequence director. So well the. I mean, the exposition is always the weakest part of all yeah. these movies, where it's... It's not their fault. I'm just saying, it's probably not their fault. It's probably not. But, I mean, there's also a reason why we have, like, really, really solid actors slotted into some of these roles. Like, Ian yeah. McShane, you don't yes. need to tell him... You don't need to tell him no, what to do. You don't need to tell him. Larry Fishburne, just, like, be crazy, yeah. but not as crazy as you were in Predators. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, he's wearing the same outfit, basically. This... 
Predator, <laughs> there's another movie with him, I swear to God, where he's, like, I think it's, he's in a, it's, it's winter outside. I, uh, it might be the Snowpiercer, I can't remember, but he's in another movie in this almost exact same outfit. <laughs> uh, so, it's gonna drive me nuts, but go ahead, continue, I'll, uh, I'll find it. Oh, well, I was just gonna wrap things up, or at least get us towards wrapping up, yeah. uh, and saying that I definitely enjoyed this film quite a bit. Yeah, uh, it is kind of amazing that I enjoyed it, despite the fact that the plot goes almost nowhere. The colony, <laughs> like, sorry, the colony. He, he okay. the same thing in the colony. Yeah, the plot goes <laughs> nowhere, really. Yeah, it it even geographically goes almost entirely in a circle because he's right back in New York, despite you know going to Morocco and into the desert and everything. All he did yeah. was get safe passage. No, I'm sorry, he didn't even get safe passage to the uh, he he to the continental. He just got asylum. That's ba- he gave his finger for asylum to get back to the continental yeah um but it's kind of funny how like in some regards it it bears some resemblance to the matrix films in that this is keanu reeves and the inevitability of the story is that it's going to end up with him at odds with the high table so it's going to be god smash the system (laughs) brah it's like i mean it's fitting that the matrix films at least two out of three of them anyway end with like rage against the machine songs (laughs) so so, i mean we're doing it again and morpheus is here too (laughs) so it's like it's kind of perfect i honest to god i swear to you i didn't even put that together until you just said it (laughs) that's insane ouch (laughs) wow it took that long So now I'm curious: is like, are they gonna be able to get like Hugo Weaving in there or something? That would like, be kind of cool. I don't because he... that's like part of the appeal for these movies is every time a new one gets announced, I'm like, ooh, who's gonna be in it? They couldn't because they him. they get they well, spend too much money in the Avengers uh, in, in in game. They're like, we have way too much money. We can't even we can't do Hugo Weaving to come in here and say two fucking words. I think they didn't want him. Like that's my guess. Why? It's so simple. I think he was just too much money to have him say a few lines like less lines than he did in um the, uh the, was he the one who did the voice in infinity war uh i don't think so actually okay. i think he i think he's only played red skull once that's my assumption oh, okay gotcha um yeah I, also i think he's known to be kind of a prick <laughs> it's like um i know like the transformers movies he got in hot water because he was shit talking them too much because they got him, they got him to do the voice instead of Frank Welker, and it, it, instead of Frank Welker, <laughs> like how dare you? But apparently he was shit talking the production a lot, like very publicly. It's like yeah. you don't, you don't do that. They're I'm they're sorry, paying. Was that, was that Michael Bay? Was that Michael Bay that directed those movies? Yes. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, he's now, a very powerful man. <laughs> Fox and Shia LaBeouf, how their careers are going right now? Yeah, I mean, no joke, but. Anyway, John Wick 3, uh, Chapter 3, Parabellum. <laughs> it's a very, very, very enjoyable action film if you're into that, so I would highly recommend you check it out in the theaters. I'm not into um, action films, and I very much enjoyed it, so if you, if, you like, if you don't even like action films and you're not squeamish, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, so that being said, I guess this draws uh, catching up on Keanu month to a close. Just about. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not again. I'm not sure the order in which these are going to be posted, but this might be the last episode of our catching up on Keanu series. But Correct. that being said, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, until next time. Yeah.